0: Exactly that. I think we get, we don't get enough exposure about the array of jobs um, and opportunities you can do with starting with one background. And I actually think for me, sadly, I feel like that narrowed a bit my field of vision when I was at A-level, um, in terms of what I felt like I could do if I pursued um, science. Hey sis, welcome
1: to The Growth Season with BWP and P&G. In this episode, we will be hearing about what careers in STEM look like for black women. Our first guest is Virtu Ibo Kriwe, a third year civil engineering student at the University of Southampton. She vlogs her life at university and what it's like studying engineering on her YouTube channel called The Virtuous Life. She hopes to one day become a chartered civil engineer and work on structures. She will be in conversation with Shirley Namibiru, Shirley is a scientist at P&G and has spent 10 years working in research and development. She is currently responsible for creating compelling consumer insights in order to develop the next generation of Gillette products. She is passionate about making STEM careers more accessible. She has been a STEM ambassador since 2012 and works as a mentor for the Social Mobility Foundation to help young people without access to the right resources pursue STEM careers post A-level. They will be discussing their journeys, their insights on career opportunities, and their advice on starting out.
0: Hey, Virtue. Hi. um So, to kick off, um, we hear a lot of funny and silly things about people, about STEM and women in STEM. What's the silliest or funniest thing you've heard um, people say about STEM or women in STEM specifically?
2: good question i'd say the silliest thing i've heard is that there's barely any women in the field and why is it silly because once i joined civil engineering i was like whoa there's a lot of females here and there's like there was a substantial amount of numbers so i was thinking why do people keep telling me this especially like women as well so i think it's really silly and it's actually quite detrimental because it deters people from like joining the field if they think it's just male predominant so yeah that's why i'd say it's very silly
0: yeah no that makes sense because people i think people still quote things as they were and things are moving along but they don't always not always have up-to-date information
2: um how about you have you ever heard any silly or like wild misconceptions about females in stem women in stem um
0: so i have to say the silliest thing i don't know if you heard this but like a few years ago like a renowned um Scientists like Tim Hunt. I think he even has the a Nobel Prize in biochemistry. He was caught at a conference saying that women don't belong in labs because they get hysterical, so they cry a lot or they fall in love. And I was so shocked that this was something that was being said like as recently as two years ago or so. Um, and so I've not heard anything that extreme said to me directly, but you see attitudes that kind of line with that of where women don't belong in certain spaces. Uh, there's like versions of that attitude going around. And yeah, it's both silly and false. Yeah, I agree. So you said that there's a lot of women around, around you in your degree. Can you tell me a little bit about why you decided to study your degree? What made you take that path?
2: Um, I think I'll give the most generic answer. I really... During A levels, I chose maths and physics, and I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, I love the science A levels. Maths was really interesting, and I also did product design, which is like a very practical-heavy A level. And all of those three combined, I just knew I wanted to do engineering. I just didn't know which one, and I, it took a lot of research to find out civil engineering because I wasn't aware of it at that time. And then after like debating between civil and mechanical, I chose civil because I just felt like that was the one that's most linked to like the attributes I have so that's why I chose that degree
0: oh brilliant you said that you did a lot of research um was that stuff that you had to kind of look out and hunt yourself or was it did you get help at school how did you do your research
2: um uh, my physics teacher was actually really helpful because she knew about civil engineering and she helped me and she gave me like some website I could look at and then the institution of civil engineering the website and so with that with her help I went home and did like my research my law like I list pros and cons of each and then that's how I decided which degree.
0: Nice. Nothing says STEM like a good pro and cons list. <laughs> um, so now that you kind of th- are three years into your civil engineering degree, um, what would you say is the most exciting project you've been able to work on? I would definitely say during my first
2: year as a civil engineer, that was the most exciting because um, second semester we got to actually go on site for a whole week and construct a uh, a scaled version of the Malab Bridge in France out of concrete. And this is like very and we're first year civil engineers, like I was just fresh off like um A levels. I was still like really eager and young. And they allowed us to like I was project manager and they allowed us to use like really like machines. Obviously we were trained and we had all our equipment and PPE. But we were on site for a week and all of it was built by us, like me and my course mates. And that was just so fun because civil engineering is so practical and them allowing us to be there we really just cemented that I chose the right degree. I am, that whole week made my whole like year and it was just really exciting.
0: Wow, that is powerful. Because there's, there's nothing like actually getting hands-on and doing the thing that you think that you're working towards. Yeah. Um, you found it easy to stay motivated and stay on top of your workload. Um, I feel like
2: it has been a struggle, especially like now in third year with everything being online and less contact hours, less labs and less practical. But I think it's because I have like a real passion for this degree and like, I love civil. I want to be a civil engineer. I know what I want to be in the future. And that's what that passion and that I that's what drives me to like do the work. Even though some of it might be boring, it might be really hard and intensive. That's what keeps me motivated. Because if I take my like, off the gear right now, and then I, all my work I've done in first and second year would be meaningless if I don't succeed in third and fourth. So it's a struggle, but that's how I stay motivated because I'm just really passionate about this degree, so I'm inclined to do it more.
0: Yeah, no, that definitely um, makes sense.
2: So I've talked a lot. So tell me about you and your career path and why you chose it.
0: Um, So me and my path. So um, I'll actually go back to... You spoke a little bit about the subjects that you chose for A-level. I think that's where I started as well. I kind of always knew that I wanted to do something um, in science, um, and I but I wasn't sure exactly what it would be. So I used to be I used to be super into Star Trek, which in 90s, North London wasn't that cool. But uh, I loved sci-fi and I loved like the futuristic um, view and solutions that they had to problems. So you'd see something like, like one of the things that generates like a food capsules. And in my mind, I'd be like, someone's like imagined a way to solve these things like limited food, like medicine, even how they healed people on the ship. And that used to get me really into sci-fi and thinking about science and how science solves problems. I was always, um, I always kind of gravitated towards those subjects. Um, when I got to A level, I just knew I loved it. So I picked like I basically picked all sciences. Um I had chemistry, biology, and uh maths and German. Um and but i wasn't sure exactly what i would do and this is the bit where i think um i didn't i would have loved to have a bit more advice that's why i loved hearing how you went and did research you went to the civil engineering institute and understood what the role would be i wasn't sure exactly what was open and out to me um so in the end i kind of went with the science that i enjoyed the most which was chemistry um and decided to do it at uni with in mind that i wanted to do something like drug um discovery so medicine formulation because that's pretty much all I was exposed to um when it came from um that's that's all that's all I was exposed to when it came when it came to um co- uh, the careers in science um but then when I got to university like absolutely loved chemistry it was even better than a level I don't know if you found this but there's something about when you actually focus on that one subject and you get to see everything about it so not just um like aspects of it but you get to kind of dig in it from the beginning that just made it it like made me fall in love with it even more um I then chose to do an internship um at 3m working their drug discovery uh section like in in Loughborough and I absolutely loved it there like it was great uh, but it wasn't like anything that I'd imagined so I'd imagined this to be my career path you know you said that you did your um you did your kind of secondment and you realized it was exactly what you wanted to do it was the opposite for me I realized that if another place was great to work I love the people I love the science I just couldn't um imagine myself in such a highly regulated area so I knew I wanted to do a have a bit more freedom um, and creativity when it came to my approach to science and rightly so medicines are very heavily regulated as it should be like it's people's safety Um, so then I kind of went brainstorming of what can I do where I can do the things I want to do and create uh, things that solve problems but not necessarily in the medical field and that's how I kind of got to consumer goods and applied um, to PNG when I graduated Um, yeah so then this is how I've ended up here. Sorry, I feel like I rambled. And I was great, thank you. Um, so what keeps you motivated? Uh, so it's going to sound really cheesy, but um, a lot of it is solving problems. Like I really enjoy that aspect of it. So my role has really changed. Like I don't do any chemistry in my day-to-day job now but what i do do is i still apply the scientific method like hypothesis experiment like solution like i still go through that problem solving loop and um i I love that process i love it i love having that new question at the beginning where you don't know how you're going to tackle it or you don't know how to approach it and just thinking okay where do we start and breaking it down to ask the right questions to learn on it so that always motivates me uh the other aspect as well in working in consumer goods is seeing things i've worked on come to life it was actually this week one of the things i worked on uh got launched in asia i don't know if i can say anything yet but (laughs) i should double check that (laughs) but launched (laughs) launched this week in asia and i just i love that i love seeing the release of that of being like this is out or even actually now like i can go to boots and see something on the shelf that I was like my insights fed into that final product like something I worked on questions I asked experiments I did uh, fed into this coming to life and solving a problem for a consumer so that always motivates me. Wow
2: you seem really passionate about your job I was just wondering how was it like job hunting within the STEM industry like what did you look for when you were job hunting?
0: So um job hunting within the stem industry was actually really good um because i knew the skills that i wanted to carry forward and be able to do in my Um, A future role. Like I said earlier, I tried something in drug delivery. I understood the things I enjoyed and didn't enjoy as part of that role. So when I was looking for my next one, I was really looking for something that A, still allowed me to use my scientific training, uh, but B, had more of the elements of the aspects of the role that I enjoyed, of the previous role that I enjoyed. And that's sort of what I would say is important is to look at uh, not the job title, Uh, especially in stem roles as well where you have like different job titles, you're not sure exactly what would be um doing but looking at the description and seeing is this going to be using the skills that i think it will will i be doing day to day what i expect to be doing um and how does the role grow like am i going to be doing a few years of um really hands-on technical work and then it's going to shift completely to where I'm less hands-off would I be okay with that because that's all right as well to go for that role but just going in knowing that the type of work you're going to do lines up with the a your stem abilities or the abilities that you want to grow into so I'd say that's how I would uh that's how I would approach it um so how has it been gaining work experience um are you in the process of building your cv what have you how have you approached that
2: yeah so i'm in third year of university and civil engineering is a very practical degree like engineering is practical at heart and so in order to like really like showcase or like stand out in your cv you need experience and experience is really important so in first year i knew that i needed to somehow get like a summer placement or internship and it was at first I tried, I applied to many scholarships, but I didn't get some, I didn't get any unfortunately, but then second year I managed to secure a scholarship within Southampton called Success, which is a scholarship for civil engineering students, and with that came summer placement every year till I graduated, so I was just so happy and blessed to have secured this, and through that um second year i had my first summer placement during summer 2020 and that was great because that allowed me to build up the experience because there's one thing learning about it in like lectures or doing your labs but it's different when you're actually on site and you can see all this like the construction the things you've learned the theory being put into practice and that's why i think that was great and that's what built um what's called built my cv like having experience and even when you come to apply for grad jobs as well you're you having like two years experience is going to put you above someone who has like no experience and even though they had like they excelled in their degree but you have the experience on site and engineering's all about being practical so I think that's what has helped me build on my CV just gaining experience um so I was just wondering what advice would you give women to build up their CV
0: or credentials um so Virtue I completely agree with you because I think I have the same technique and um so that internship here that I did wasn't part of my course like I decided that I wanted to add this in because I knew the importance of um, having experience when you try to apply for future jobs. So it had an extra benefit of helping me understand if it's a job I wanted. But um, thinking back for even when I did like two week um, work experience when I was at school, like you learn so much from everything uh, that you do no matter how small. So um, one of the biggest pieces of advice I'd say is like seek the opportunities. I like, don't always wait for them to come to you and i think yeah it sounds like you did a great job of that so look out like call the places that you think you want to work understand um what skills and things that you need for the roles um and kind of build as you you work, go through uni life or do your work in your first few jobs, keep a note of the new skills that each thing you're going through is giving you. So what have you learned that you can do today that you couldn't do yesterday? Um, That's not only good for you to help battle uh, imposter syndrome, which I think we could talk about in a podcast or by itself, but it's also great when you come to building your CV and showing your credentials because sometimes we can overlook the things that we're good at because we become normalized to just uh, doing them really well. Um, but if you keep tracking that this is what I've learned. So even though I've been um, at PNG for 10 years now, um, I've worked in uh, I've, I've always been in R d and I've always been in this uh, really upstream early technology part of it. But the roles that and projects that I've worked in that have been so different to the point where the skill set that I had to use to deliver my project last year, I didn't have that two years ago. So it can be to that level, but I keep track of the new skills uh, that I'm gaining and also match it with what I'm enjoying and not enjoying and making sure that my CV represents what I'm really good at and what I'm trying to put out there. Because I want to attract roles that have the things that I'm great at and enjoy or want to be challenged on. So I know like for your credentials, you probably have a lot of new CV, Um, so namely YouTube that you have a passion for STEM and a creative side. Um, Has it always been this way? Have you always had that balance of uh, STEM and creative? Um,
2: When I was younger, I've always been creative, like whatever creative means, but I've always just liked filming, drawing, that that creative side. I did product design because it was creative. It's only when I got into like GCSE and A levels, I realized, oh yeah, I do really like STEM. I like maths, I like science and all of that. I was like, yeah, this is cool. So it, it was a split between, oh, can I take product design and some of the creative subjects, or do I just take STEM? And I don't really like when people think that STEM is just only creative stuff. I mean, no, STEM's own, you can only do STEM if you're not creative. Like you can have a balance and you can have two sides. So yeah, I chose maths and physics and product design just to like balance it all out. But I didn't. I didn't let my creative side down like die down just because i was doing stem just because i'm studying a civil engineering degree and so like i let myself get more creative through youtube and i would film and the way i'd edit like i would do a day in the life of a civil engineering student and the way i edit just shows my creative side and when i come to design like a bridge or a structure i like to do it by hand because i like to draw and color and render and then i'll draw on cad which is another sport. like the whole engineering in general is creative like when people think it's just desk work or computations, or numerical analysis, and all of that—that's one element of it. But you do get the creative side of it, and I think, I think I bring both sides, and that's why I feel like I'm good at this degree. And hopefully, when I join the job field, it would work in my favour.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, you made a point there about people think that you can either do STEM or be creative. Why do you think people have that perception that it's one or the other?
2: I'd say like through the media because before actually knowing any actual civil like engineers, you'd always watch them through like skits or like shows on TV or Netflix, and they always portrayed a certain way: one, a white male, and two, um, they always have some kind of lack of like social skills or creative side, they always just like, say the big bang theory, that's STEM people, but like they're showing like a certain angle of STEM and you always expect that. But when I came into this field, one, not all of them were males, there was women here. And two, um, people were more vibrant and like full of life than they are portrayed to seem. And I feel like that's why people think STEM or like people, engineers are just like dull and mundane. And we only do like the boring stuff, but this degree keeps me on my toes and it's exciting. So I could say it's completely, the other way around yeah yeah so obviously um the lack of creative side is a big misconception in the stem industry i was just wondering are there any
0: opportunities to take like career risk or try something new uh yes definitely and i think it's to the point that you made uh, previously which is people think that because of how stem is portrayed in the media so if you think about who you actually see being represented as a scientist or engineers, or even what like you're always you always see someone in a lab coat when people are talking about STEM, um, and that's not the case. So you and I know being in there that it's that's not the case. Like there's so many applied sciences and engineering and like different parts that people go into STEM, and it's essentially just problem solving and creating solutions. Um, and with kind of that really high level look at it, you can direct that energy to anything. Uh, You can go down the path of civil engineering as you're talking, where you're literally creating the structures that are gonna keep us up, um, like hold the world up in the future. You can go um, the side of AI, like people are creating all kinds of solutions, um, but it's just how, if if you understand the skills That kind of that stem training gives you um, and what you can apply to what problem I think there's like a massive amount of space for creativity um, and changing of career so you could definitely jump like what I do today like I spoke earlier about how my background was chemistry I don't do any chemistry in my day-to-day job today but I still do have to use the scientific method so I do still do um, applied science I do think about hypothesis and then think about how to experiment against it I uh, think about what technologies can solve uh, problems that my consumers have so um, and all of that I still see as very much a STEM pursuit um, so if I think about um, the people that were on my course so my friends on my course were in so many different directions So, people have gone on to actually work um, in uh, either biomedical or chemistry field um, people have gone on to people have gone into finance um, we actually used to have uh, like these consultancy firms come and try and recruit within the chemistry and engineering building because they already saw so, so value in the skills that we're getting I was gonna so, say
2: because um, I like a lot of my because you've reached I'm reached the stage where I'm in third year and fourth year People are going to different routes, like paths. Like everyone thinks you do a civil engineering degree and you're going to end up an engineer. Well, like my friend's just got like a massive year in industry with one of the big four banking firms. My other friend has like um, decided to just end it as a bachelor's and then go to Cambridge to study like environmental. There's just like loads of things you could do with an engineering degree that not a lot of people know about.
0: Exactly that. I think we get we don't get enough exposure about the array of jobs um, and opportunities you can do with starting with one background and actually think for me, sadly, I feel like that narrowed a bit my field of vision when I was at A-level in terms of what I felt like I could do if I pursued um, science or what was out there for me uh, because you end up to you end up thinking the main role that's portrayed externally <laughs> or that your teachers know about. Um, I don't know if it's a bit better now that there's like kind of superfluous information on the internet but it's um, it definitely we don't have a wide enough exposure of the different things you can do and I think it's really important. That's why I as well said for the CV of keeping track of when you gain a new skill and looking at your cv your career or your work life as a set of skills that you're good at or you want to grow in and what you can apply it to you'd be really surprised you'd be really surprised what you can apply to different problems so yeah like i said like a lot of my friends that were in the same course as me in chemistry we've gone to completely different routes so there's people in finance biomedical sciences um there's people in marketing, um, it's about, and then there's people who've stayed or people like me who are doing applied science. So um, it's just about the skills that you gain and how you apply them to solve problems. So there's definitely a lot of space to jump. So um, yeah, so Virtue, now that I've talked a little bit about the possible different career paths that can go, um, what career risks and opportunities would you like to take up? Do you think you'd be willing to be take different risks?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't. I would. I don't know if this is a risk, but I'm open to working as many different disciplines in civil engineering. What people fail to understand is that you're not set in this field for life. There's many different ventures you can do with your degree, and that's something I learned first year because like the big learning curve was um, from first year is like you don't actually have to. If you don't want to be a civil engineer, you don't have to. And like with your degree, there's many fields that like you can you can branch into like finance, PR, HR. Uh, marketing or you could be a chartered engineer and I think that's like the big biggest learning curve and it's because I'm in third year and I can see all my friends doing like like diverging into their own different paths like we're all, we're not all destined to take the same path like I want to become a chartered engineer and but some people might want to go into a banking firm and all of that so that's like that was a big misconception and so the career risk I would take is that one like year i might be in like geotechnics which is like soil and all of that next year i could be in superstructures like bridges dams and all of that and i just want to like i want to jump from discipline to discipline i know some people don't like to do that but i i personally don't mind i want to join a company that would allow me to like that would move me around and like go to different countries work here i feel like i'm young i'm 21 and i would hopefully just want to travel loads and work in as many fields so i can i so i can know which one i want to work in when i grow older or when i have to make a choice because how can you expect someone to make a choice when you haven't actually tasted like or even tried the different fields i just really struggle like making a decision when i don't know like all my possible opportunities or like things if that makes sense
0: yeah no that definitely makes sense um and i think you're right there was loads of uh misconceptions at the beginning because I know I definitely had some misconceptions at the beginning of my career about um, getting into a field and then you having to stay in that so I was like if I pick to go down this route uh, that's me chemistry exclusive uh, for my career and part of it was just not having visibility to what the opportunities are right so what I didn't that I wasn't surrounded by professionals that were in the STEM industries and um, as I left university got into work been exposed to different people and I can just see the breadth of opportunities of people who have similar or skills that I feel like I could get and the different things that they're doing I kind of have a better understanding of the opportunities out there and I completely agree with you I think um try the things that you think are interesting like there's um actually the president of um the specific brand i work on always says like when you're thinking about decisions like you always ask yourself is this a one-way door or is this a two-way door can i come back from this and if it's a two-way door take the leap um you learn from it it'll feed into who you become and the career you end up going so yeah exactly risk is really important so i hear you your stem ambassador since
2: 2012 I was just wondering, have you seen like an increase in like black women pursuing STEM?
0: Um, Actually, this is really funny because when you said at the beginning how you keep hearing people say that there's no women in STEM, I felt um I felt convicted as well because I was like, I'm actually um I, even though I'm visibly seeing more and more. I know that it's changed from five or 10 years ago, but sometimes you can actually end up not refreshing your data. Um, and I think we're at different stages. So one of the biggest things that STEM has helped me see is what it looks like in school. So these young women aren't yet um, aren't yet in the workforce, but even the makeup of the people coming to the STEM club. So we do like an after-school robotics club and after-school um, science club um, for schools in my in my local area, and I can see the makeup of the people that join those sessions how that has changed um over time and i'm definitely seeing more black women and women um, more black girls and girls um, of color in those settings and um, that those classrooms definitely look very different from where the workforce looks like today. But even the workforce today looks different from how it did five years ago. So I'm really excited, um, especially by people like you, where you're um, in university, you're surrounded by all these um, women um, in STEM, and you're all gonna come up and like change the dynamic of the workforce in a load, because it's a self-fulfilling, it's kind of, um, if I see you, I get courage to be like, I can do this. Like you want to see that someone like me can succeed somewhere like that. And there's nothing does that better than an example. Um, I feel like, yes, I do see it in schools, but I also see it in influencers, in TV, um, in um, social media. Social media, especially like has propelled like representation of, um, of black women in STEM. Um, Whereas probably five, 10 years ago, I would have uh, really struggled to name prominent black women in STEM. Whereas now I can follow their careers on LinkedIn. I can see if they've got, so if they've got an Instagram, I can see the things that they care about and talk about day to day. Like there's just so much, much better access to them. And I think a lot of young women see that and they feel encouraged and know that someone like them can succeed in this um, arena. But on top of that, I think that um we we need even more uh, black women in STEM. Um, it's I guess it's it's important. It's like A, we need women in STEM generally. Um that's very important, and we need uh, black women in STEM as well as anything because um, like all aspects of our life, like it matters who's at the table, it matters who's thinking about the solutions, it matters who is doing um the brainstorming. Like if I think about loads of STEM subjects like that we might not think about day to day, like becoming a dietitian. somebody from a black uh, background might have an understanding of, um, or someone from a Caribbean or African background might have an understanding of what foods to give a patient that might help them change their diet and save their life that they will actually be able to stick to because they can culturally align to those. Um, so you'd need somebody on the table um, You'd need somebody on the table that um, can have those thoughts um, even thinking about like ai um, as people are making as they're creating autonomous cars i know the first round was um, i read that they um were unlikely to pick up black pedestrians so that is dangerous to us uh, just because the people who built it the models were built on um white Faces that were built by white people like it didn't occur to anybody in that room that to flag that as a problem if you had a black engineer a black female engineer in that room i think things would be different but i think i think representation matters at all points because i think we're creating the world we're creating the solutions the products uh the things that take care of people so you want that to create them without bias and the only way you can do that is if you have the right people at the table at all um, at all parts yeah so that that's kind of how I feel about um, black women in STEM so if you could say one thing to STEM black women coming up behind you uh, like maybe to your younger self what would it be?
2: Um, that was a good question I'd say don't let anyone limit you or undermine your potential because I always get experience one encounters during like the three years I've done of civil engineering and like, I'd say the like, biggest learning curve was being on site. I know that females, even though we're growing in the industry, like STEM industry, were still, like, the minority. So when I joined the construction site, I didn't realise how, like, hard it would hit me. And I was, like, the only... I was only like the only woman on the side. I was like, oh yeah, it's fine. I can hold my ground. I can do this. But then when I was just placed with myself and I was the one representing my company and I had external sub- subcontractors speak to me, but they weren't listening to me. And I knew I knew the facts and I had, I'd been prepped. I had the brief. I was in the meetings. I was trying to get my point across, but they still weren't listening to me. And that was an overwhelming experience because I felt like they were limiting me. Like you have this idea of what you think I should know, but I know what I'm talking about. And that was, I got so frustrated and i didn't know how to like deal with this because this was my first encounter because you always hear about it you read about it but being on site and having that experience and actually just being one female one woman out of like 50 or sixty men on site and trying to hold your ground it gets exhausting and like you always feel like you have to i don't know i feel like there's always this pressure that you actually have to stand strong or like, come on you can do this push through like patriarchy or whatever but i was just really tired that day and I would just say like don't let anyone limit you because they were trying to limit me they were trying to put the idea of what I should know on me and like trying to undermine my potential but you have to remember why you're here and um what message you're trying to c- get across and like not even what message you're trying to get across you're just here for you and you're trying to build your own career and that's why I had to remind myself that you shouldn't let anyone undermine you not even in like the lecture theatre the construction site like anywhere because
0: yeah just do you basically uh, I love that. I feel like we're so in sync because uh, my advice lines up right with yours, which is about confidence. Um, you're right. other people get in other people can get in your way and be blockers. I've been in a situation where you'd find somebody will address like an older male colleague uh, with a black or white before they would address you. Like there's external factors where people will automatically where you'd need to show that you can versus people who, people walk into the room and assume they can until they show otherwise, whereas you have to show you can until people think otherwise. So there's that external factor. So it's really, really important to be confident in yourself, um, to just know your abilities, um, know what you can do and what you bring to the table and feel confident in it. And I feel like you, um, what you just shared portrayed that really well, like you were confident that you knew the briefs, you knew what you were talking about. So it meant that you were in a better position to stand up Um, for yourself in that situation but it's distracting like you don't want to do that you just want to turn up and do the job um so my advice would just be be confident in yourself like because these things are still sadly happening but if you're really sure in yourself um you won't let that um bring you down and I spoke about imposter syndrome a little bit at the beginning and just to say for like any listeners who don't know it's when um you can feel Unsure and underestimate yourself versus your actual abilities, or externally what other people see. And situations like what Virtue just described, like situations like that, make it worse, and they compound imposter syndrome, uh, where other people are openly doubting you in situations where you feel like I should have this. So it's really, really important to be confident in your abilities um, and put yourself out there. There's no you. You will miss every opportunity you don't go for every single one. But if you go for it, you might get them. So um, always put yourself out there, like be brave, be confident in yourself and uh, take a leap, like apply apply for more jobs than you think you need to apply for the interview experience in itself um, is a great learning experience. When you go to put yourself out there, you are, for STEM roles, you're not only putting yourself out there so that the companies learn about you, you're also learning about them. So you'll, you'll be learning about what type of place you want to work in. And the more of those situations you're in, uh, the better understanding you have that, because you can really get a vibe and an understanding of somewhere um, once you go through these stages and speak to a few people from there. So, yeah, that would be... Sorry, I waffled and I gave about four different tips.
2: I just want to add on to like what you talked about, that external factor. Yeah, I feel like when you come on site, instead of you just having to do your job, you actually have to do 10 times more with with all these extra external factors, instead of you just doing a simple, plain task, like, fair enough, like, said that guy listened to me, like, my job would have been smoothly, but instead I had to, like, fight, the, I had to, like, fight him, like, not physically, but I had to prove a point to him, that one, I actually do know what I'm talking about, and then do my job, so that then you just made my whole thing double, instead of me just doing the bare minimum, not the bare minimum, but the standard, I always feel like we always have to go one step beyond just to prove ourselves, and sometimes it gets exhausting, and it's always like this, like, always like this idea that you kind of have to fight and kind of have to prove yourself but you don't always have to because like w- like we're just the same as everyone else like it does get exhausting trying to always have like trying to prove yourself that you're worthy of being here and you you, you just you just need to know that you are and sometimes you don't have to prove anything just prove it to yourself because i know you can do it and i i can do it so this. This ex- extra factors always makes the job harder, and that I just love that point. You're right.
0: Yes, no, definitely, and nothing gets you through it better than you having no doubts about yourself. So it's much easier to bat those external factors away if you're if you know how good you are. So yeah,
2: exactly. Especially with like the interview process, like it does. Like I feel like interview and job applications, the whole experience on its own, and. I know you keep saying confidence, but it does really matter. Because when I came to apply for my scholarship, the reason why I didn't get in first year compared to second year is because I didn't believe in myself. And imposter syndrome was high that, that period. I, was, I just went in thinking, yeah, I could do this job, but there's probably someone better than me. And I was just nervous. The basic questions are asking me, like, not even like the civil engineering ones yet, just like they asked me how many like, how, like the different unis I applied to. And I was just so nervous. I forgot. I didn't even say Southampton, which is the uni I currently go to. But second year, I came in with more confidence. And that confidence, if you believe in yourself, it just like emits, like you're radiating. The, the interviewers will believe in you as well. They can see that you're the best person for this job. If you come up with that energy, that energy will radiate. And they will know. It sounds weird, but like, trust me, it does. And then anything you say will just be backed up by this like persona of like confidence, not arrogance, but confidence like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And this is how I'm going to like excel in your job, like excel in this job and um, really like progress through the company. I was just wondering if you had like any other interview um, tips or any good or bad experiences. Um, Yeah,
0: no, I can like kind of bounce right off that because um, I think being yourself in the interview, so you touched on it of like radiating, uh, but you want these people to hire you as a person. So have confidence in bringing an aspect of your personality uh, because you're going to work there. So you want to see how, um, like how you would actually fit in in that space. So you can be both professional, come really prepared, um, but still be yourself. So don't feel like you need to completely change yourself in order to go and apply um, for a job. So be yourself and see how that goes. Um, So other tips I would have is the same tip that I would have for most um, aspects of life, which is prepare, like prepare if you're applying somewhere, read up about the company, like think about the questions that you want to ask. Uh, think about the type of things that you want to do there. Look at the role that you're going for. Look at the skills that it's asking for. Think about how you've displayed the skills in the past. Like like do the do the pre-work because it will make you feel more comfortable as well during because you'll sit there knowing as much as you can about that situation, Um and you'll feel prepared. So it'll make it easier for you to just be yourself. Um, So yeah, so that would be like a tip I would give. Um, And the other one to reiterate is one that I said from earlier, which is track your skills, like track your skills. I think this helps both with imposter syndrome, but also with being ready to talk about what you can do at a hat. If you have, if you know what your uh, key skills are, But you also know like everything else that I can do, whether I'm not using this daily, I knew that I can edit um, as well as use CAD as well as this, like track your skills. And um, when I say track it, I don't mean just in your mind, like have somewhere where it's written down all the things that you you can do. And the best way to do this as you you learn something new and you feel like you're proficient um, enough, like write it down. Because you can always go back and edit. If, you, if you're if you like, oh, actually, I didn't end up taking this further or I don't feel like I could, you could remove it, but keep track of it. Um, and that makes it really easy to bring up examples when you're asked um, in interviews as well. And then, yeah, the, the biggest tip is apply, apply, apply. <laughs> like, go for, go for things. Like, you can only sit home and plan what you're going to apply for, for so much. You mentioned that you applied to loads of scholarships until you've got the access one. So I think people need to follow that same route of put yourself out there. No doors can be shut in your face if you don't go knocking on any doors, but no doors can be opened either. So definitely like put yourself out there.
2: Yeah, exactly. The more things you apply to, the more chances you're going to get in. That's how I see it.
0: Yes. Actually, I still remember my interview for um, P&G, like one of the things that made me feel like, okay, this is the place that I belong was um, after I'd had like I'd had like a few face-to-face um, interviews I was there for like a day so we had like an assessment day I got a tour of the lab um, with one of the employees and they were just so lovely and they asked me questions um, about why you know why I thought I went to work there but I was also able to ask them about their day-to-day job And just hearing how they spoke about their job with passion made me feel like, okay, I really definitely want to get this. So um, being able to understand somebody that works somewhere where you're applying, I think is a good tip. We're really lucky that we're in the age where um, I know social media has its ups and downs, uh, but it's a really great space to get people connected. Like you can look at what the organization looks like of somewhere where you want to go. You can see what people who do a role that you're going for, what things that they have down on their LinkedIn. You can get so much information um, before you turn up into a room or before you even apply um, that just do the work and go and dig in for sure. People like the same way you've done actually a day in the life of an engineering student. People have a lot of day in the life of different careers. So watch them and see if it's really what you want to do.
2: Yeah, day in the lives are so useful gives an insight how like the field will actually be before having to apply for anything or committing to a job role
0: yeah i'm looking forward to catching up on all of your youtubes <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> um you. i don't know if you've got any more questions but i wanted to um just ask even though i know that things are a bit tumultuous now um what are you looking forward to um as part of your course this year
2: um I'd say my individual project, and my individual project is basically like a dissertation for like other like other degrees, but for engineers we call it an individual project. And it's because it's like a whole year of you just working on this one project title and you see it from start to finish and you put in, you get out as much as you put in. So it's just exciting because at first, wow, this project was like really hard. I didn't know where it was going. I just couldn't see the end of this. I was really scared I was just gonna fail. Um, but right now, and this whole thing's due in April right now I'm so confident in it I'm enjoying working on the project because it's my own thing I saw I've seen it from start and I'm I want to see through to the end and it's just been so it's hard but it's just been so enjoying to just do it and that's why I'm really enjoying so far in third year what's like a highlight of
0: your job experience so I've had loads of highlights which I'm happy about because it's been it's been 10 years Um, but I have to say, um, I'm going to cheat and say two different highlights. Um, So one of the biggest highlights is when, um, as part of my roles, I sometimes I speak to consumers directly about problems or tensions that they have um, and then kind of work towards what technology and solutions we have that could meet that or what products we could design to go into meet that. Um, So one of the highlights is, of my role, I think, is talking to people and understanding their needs and being able to translate that um, for the team for us to work on a solution towards that. So I love that intersection. And then th- having the full loop back where you take what you think the solution is and you can see that it has like elevated his or her life or met like the need that you're trying to um, solve for in the first place. So I love that. Um, the other thing that's a massive highlight is when something I when I see something I've worked on um, like in the shop so if I see something I've worked on in boots or when I hear that it's launching so being at the very very beginning of the R&D process in um, in the front end, kind of early idea section. It takes a long time before anything I touch actually gets on shelf, but it then makes it all the more exciting um, when I do see it. So those have been uh, massive highlights. But it was so lovely to chat to you, Virtue. Great to get to know you and how things are going on your course. Thank you for um, talking with me today.
2: Yeah, thank you to you as well. It's been great just speaking to you.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode. Since this is the growth season, we want you to reflect and grow with each episode. So we've left some questions in the description curated to help you find your confidence. We'd encourage you to dig deep and reflect on them throughout the week. Be sure to follow Virtue, Shirley and BWP on our socials and see you next time.